The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Rameen. If you or someone you are close to is dealing with addiction, there are so many programs out there that can help you. But how do you gauge which ones are going to work the best for you? Some are expensive, some deal with some of the issues, but don't get to the heart of the matter. Others treat the problem at a basic level, but don't determine ultimate success. Join us now for an hour that sets out to be truly groundbreaking and will help you discover how to find the best program for your addiction problem. Now, here is Ross Rameen. Hi, welcome to the show. This is Ross Rameen, and this is The Power to Create Yourself. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. We're coming to you from Los Angeles, California, at the Rebos Treatment Center. And we're so happy that you um, joined us today. For the last few weeks, I've been doing shows that have had experts in the field that have a variety of um, different specialties. And they've all been kind of giving us their uh, their views on how treatment should go, how people that are trying to change their life, really no matter what the topic is, it, it all kind of comes down to the same um, way of how you wrap your head around it, how you wrap your actions around making those changes for yourself. Today, I thought we would do something a little bit different, and for the next few weeks, we're going to have um, a few of these guests. I have a client here at Rebos. He's been. Um, he'll. We'll find out more about him in a second. Uh, his name is Larry, and we're gonna just kind of get involved in what he's going through. He's in the um, the beginning stages of sobriety. Uh, he's been through this before, but you know this time is a little bit different for him. And um, we'll introduce him now. Larry, thanks for joining us. Thank you for asking me. Thank you. Yeah, you got it, Larry. I, the one thing, the reason why I wanted you to be on this show, and I really want our listeners, because we've got some listeners out there that are, you know, that are struggling in their addictions right now, or just struggling with change, really, in their life. Um, we have some loved ones out there, moms, dads, sisters, brothers, boyfriends, girlfriends, that they have a loved one that needs to go into treatment or needs to make a change. They they might not, not they might not even know that they need treatment. Uh, they're at a kind of a this weird lost kind of area. Mm-hmm. They know something's not right, but they need right. some help with it. And I really wanted to talk with you about where you're at, what's going on with you, um, and how you're getting to where you're at, you know, through each day, how you're surviving it. Yeah. Um, so to kind of just start out, what, give us a little detail. What, how did you find your way to Rebos? What, mm-hmm. what's your drug of choice? How long have you been using for? Sure. sure. Uh, again, thank you for asking me to do this because I'm, um, that would be a great way to up my recovery. I have 33 days of sobriety today. Um, That's incredible. Thank you. <laughs> That's, it, is, it, it is. It, it doesn't is. sound like a lot to certain people, yeah. but it might as well be 33 years. You know, being in treatment, you meet a lot of people who are struggling to get two days or a day or, you know, the next couple of hours. And so, you know, that's why we take chips in the AA program for 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, six months, and so on. 
And it is an accomplishment because it is by the grace of God or your higher power that you can say that you are sober each day. Um, I came to L.A. from New York City. I've been in New York like the last 20 years. I, um, I had some businesses. I was um, doing pretty well for a while until I wasn't. Um, I'm one of those people that you call maybe a high-functioning addict. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are those or, or can be classified as that until they're not. Um, I, um, when I was 30 years old, I was introduced to crystal meth. And, um, How old are you now? I'm 43. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so um, it started out recreationally. When you were 30? When I was 30. Wow, mm-hmm. okay. Meaning like a weekend. Okay. Um, I will say this as, as well, you know, I, I, I identify as gay. Mm-hmm. And I know it has been an epidemic in my community for some time now. And I was one of those that did not think it was going to affect me. Yeah. I thought I had a, a handle on it. Um, had some success. Still functioning, still using the drugs, still drinking. Um, never thought any of it was a really big deal. Um, I the never, using part of it. The you using never... part of it. I just never, it's just what we did. And I say we because I was in a group of people that did. Yeah. And um, and I wasn't so afraid of it. I was enjoying it. As a lot of addicts can tell you, I was enjoying getting high. I didn't look at the, um, I, didn't, I didn't research what, it would do to me because I didn't want to know. Mm-hmm. I didn't uh, consider the effects of addiction because I was enjoying having a good time. So addiction wasn't in my radar uh, or sphere of of what this could lead to. Um, as I was saying, I, I I I was having a good time and I was functioning. Why did why? I don't mean to you know mess up your role, but you're 30 years old. You know why? Why even start doing meth at 30? Mm-hmm. What what do you know? Because I kind of have two questions that go with that. I mean, at 30 years old, it's very rare that I find, well, not rare, but I'd say the majority of the people that, you know, we treat here mm-hmm. and that the other treatment centers that go to, they just don't, oh, at 30 years old, I'm just going to pick up some meth. Mm-hmm. It's more, they, they find that more in their adolescence, you know, in their, in their teens, early 20s. Mm-hmm. What was it the day that it got offered to you? What what uh, what went off in your head that, oh, I'm going to smoke some meth? Were right. you smoking it? Were you uh, yeah. doing IV? Um, both. Okay. You started smoking, though? I started smoking it, and then I moved on to IV. But I'll tell you this. So, as, you know, you go through treatment, and you get assessed when you intake in these programs, Mm -hmm. as I have done at Rebos, um, you ask a series of questions. And some of the questions are, when did you first start using anything? As in, your first substance, your first time you drank, first time you smoked pot, first time you did, you know, anything. So... Meth was um, an evolution of my drug use and alcohol use. I will say that at age 20, I started smoking pot. Regularly or just recreationally? um, uh, It wasn't a problem. I'll I'll say that. It was not an issue. And I have to say recreationally. Okay. Because, um, um, again, 20 years old, moving to New York City, weekend, going to some poetry readings, going to some museums, going, it's like, it's just a nonchalant drug, as so to speak, you know, wasn't wasn't a thought. Yeah. Um, and enjoying drinks with friends, um, never an issue. Then I'll say this: at age 26, 25, I started going out to dance clubs in New York City. 
um, and ecstasy I discovered. Yeah. And um, I enjoyed that. And uh, again, I did at one, I never thought it was an issue, but I did at one point think that, hmm, will I ever stop doing this drug and dancing on the weekends? Will that ever stop? And it did. And um, it stopped like around 30, but I was introduced to meth. And I said I was introduced to meth through um, being online, being on these sites, these dating sites, mm-hmm. these apps where you meet men or people and um, you go out. And someone had meth that I met and I tried it and I liked it. It was a, it was a new sensation. It was a new high. And um, again, I got to be honest with you, I never thought it was going to be an issue. I never thought it was going to be a problem. I never thought I was going to be hooked on crystal meth. I started smoking it, and I remember telling friends that I did it. Uh, I remember saying, oh, I tried this, and I explored this, and uh, felt no shame around it. And then I realized, too, I was doing it more often, and I was telling the story more often. And then I started noticing that the um, reception of me telling the story wasn't received the way I wanted to. So I got shame. Telling the story of yeah, you telling, doing it. Telling the stories of, of, of me engaging in anonymous sex and, and, and doing meth. Okay. And so people start looking at you like it didn't say, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, um, you know, I want, I want to be very clear and very honest with my experience and also, you know, just, you know. But well, people are kind of raising their eyebrows exactly. a little at you now. No, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I started, I stopped talking about it. Mm. And coming to these programs like Revos, this is maybe my, um, in a year, my fourth treatment. This year alone, mm-hmm. in 2016. Since from August 2016, oh. 2016 to, to right now. So yeah. 2015. 2015, sorry, yeah. sorry, yeah, 2015. Um, I came out here. Because I, I, I lost everything. I lost everything. When you say you lost everything, mm-hmm. what does that mean? I lost my apartment. I lost my businesses. I lost um, trust from my friends. Um, I lost um, I lost a lot. You know, I lost you know, lost who I thought I was too. I was yeah. uh, I was kind of soulless. I was really lost and kind of at that place to really surrender. I was scared. I didn't know how I, was, I did not know how I was going to stop using this drug. Yeah, and that's scary. That's a very scary place to be, um, and still had no concept of treatment or LA rehabs and any of that stuff until some friends of mine, close family friends, and I say these are these are my family unit of friends. Yeah, got together and said, "We think you have a problem, Larry." Wow, and uh, we're going to get you some help. And I remember it was a family, they called it a, we're going to have a family meeting. I'm like, oh, Lord. I was scared. And um, I remember one of the friends said, I, you know, we're here because we're concerned about you. And uh, we think you're doing, flat out said, we think you're doing meth. I immediately lied and said, no, I was not. I'm doing. uh, Even though you admitted to it a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't ready to face the music. And what that meant and how it was going to be perceived. And uh, I remember I first, I, I remember distinctly, I lied. I said I was doing Adderall. It's like that's better or something. Yeah, yeah. You know? and, uh, you're grabbing for straws. I mean, yeah. you're, you're, you're doing whatever you got. Right, right. And, um, and they were like, okay, that may be true, but we also think you're doing meth. 
And I remember grabbing. They my, held their ground. Yeah, yeah. I remember grabbing myself, crying. I just started crying. I thought I was that was it. I'm like, I felt relieved and ashamed. And when was this last year? Last yeah, August twenty. Basically, yeah. Two thousand fifteen. Wow. Yeah. So when you lost everything, mm-hmm. are you that? You know, when people lose everything, that's that has a difference of opinion. I sure, I can tell sure. how you know just. Obviously, I'm I'm, a, I'm across the table from you right now, mm-hmm. and I can really see it in your eyes. Like, that's a that's a gnarly thing to look back at. When you lose everything, are you you lost everything because you financially can't afford to pay your rent? Mm-hmm. You can't physically go to work in order to get a paycheck anymore. Were you fired? Did you owned your own company. Wait, so, so when I say lost everything, I was involved in businesses that, not necessarily due to my drug use. I lost because I had business partners and different things affected that as a whole. Yeah. I say I lost everything in the sense that once certain certain business deals fell through the table for various reasons, not and I have to say again, not based on the drug use, I was not able to show up in order to to save anything as far as like you know, be present. You couldn't monitor anything. I couldn't monitor anything, I couldn't be present. And then I couldn't rebound. I couldn't rebound myself. You know, like, for example, if someone, if we're collectively, we lost this. We lost, say we lost this business. Two of the partners can have the strength and motivation to say, okay, I need to find some other work or create some other ideas to make myself, you know, um, um, uh, uh, you know, able to, you know, to work and make a living, you know, on another project. Me, I sulked. I, I got depressed, which fueled my use. I wanted to use more, and I was not. I, I didn't want to leave the house. You know, I just was not motivated. I was, I was high. I was high. I was. I was high. I was high, and um, and I didn't want anyone to see me. And that's also scary. So yeah, couldn't pay rent. Um, Were you evicted? I was evicted. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a blow. Yeah, I was evicted. I mean, it's one thing to move out under your own steam because mm-hmm. you can't afford it, but that that shape that embarrassment mm-hmm. of being evicted. I was evicted, and I was living with couch surfing friends. And it didn't even it, it did it kick in when you were evicted that you're being evicted because of drug use, or you did you? And I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I, I remember when I when I was going through my use, I didn't get evicted. I I smartly mm-hmm. <laughs> at the beginning of the year paid my rent for twelve months up front. Smart. And then, but but I had my power turned off. I had my hot water turned off, and I didn't um I didn't have I didn't I didn't the reason why I couldn't pay is because I spent all my money on drugs. Yeah. Well, very similar. You know, but I blamed it on everything else. Very similar. I, I I went to this twice. I almost got evicted once before, and I sold some interest in a business and was able to pay 10 months of rent. The second time around, I didn't have the interest to, to, to pull out from a business, and I ended up having 10 months behind rent and couldn't pull myself out of it. Yes, I've had the power turned off. Um, everything you can imagine. I just didn't have – I didn't have the go- wherewithal to just get out there and do it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to – I didn't want to. I didn't want to leave the house. I was scared to leave the house. It's like it's crazy. It's like kind of paranoia when you're high all the time. Yeah. You don't want to see anyone. And you don't want anybody to come over because your power's off. Embarrassed, ashamed. Yeah. I couldn't relate more with you on that one. I really couldn't. It's so amazing to me that 
you know, your, your life is literally falling away from you. And it's, it's literally crumbling down. The walls, so to say, are crumbling down all around you. Power's off. You're being evicted. All this stuff's going on. And yet, you're still looking for another high. And I'm still not admitting... As, you're still not... Forget about the another drugs. high. You're not, yeah. I'm not even saying it's because of the drugs. I'm saying because of certain, certain circumstances is why this is happening. Great. Insanity. Crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Larry, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. I want to come back with you. I want to pick up where we left off. Um, we're talking with Larry, who is 33 days sober today. Congratulations. Uh, we're kind of getting a story of what he's been going through for this last year since he's been in treatment, um, in and out of treatment for the last year. And uh, we'll be right back. I'm Ross Ramin. This is The Power to Create Yourself, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebost Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. This is Ross Ramin. Thanks for joining uh, joining us today. We are coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. Uh, we have a special treat today. We have a, um, a client named Larry. Larry is here with us in treatment, and he has um, been very brave to come up here and uh, and tell us about his story. Tell us about how he found his way to us, telling us about what has been going on for the last few years for him. Uh, Larry has lost everything, um, so to say. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Larry, but you you lost everything. And you're well, really rebuilding yourself you right know, now. Those, those material things, you know, it's a, in, in that in that sense, I didn't lose, I didn't lose, um, you know, it, it all got deflated, but I didn't lose the essence of who I want, who, who of who I am, which is a person that wants a better life. That's obviously for a little bit, though. I bet you did. Well, for a little bit, I didn't realize what I wanted. Mm. I, want, I didn't want to be here. Well, that's an interesting thing to think about, though. I mean, just. You know, I, I'm always so convinced that people, and even back from when 12 step started, even non 12 step, you know, there, there's a, there's a thing that 
that fuels us. Do you think you ever knew who you were? Because, you know, one of the old sayings is, you know, if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything type of a thing. And you're 30 years old. And and you know, I'd even pressure to take it back a few years. You're in nightclubs doing ecstasy, dance and having a great time, which I totally get. But it's like to look back even farther of where this even started for you. Do you really think that you... You know, you, you had some success in your life. You had some good family and some friends. But were you ever walking in your own shoes, do you think? Do you think there was a point in your life where you were actually ever had that? Well, you know, something you said, you know, and I think from you to me to anyone that's in this facility right now, any, any client, um, is that we all, even though we're addicts and we've been in some very low places, there is an essence of us that wants to still be here, no matter what I've lost, no matter how low I got, no matter what. I'm be here. Feeling, what do you mean, be where? Like you know, like you know, drugs can take you a really, really low place. Yeah. To the place where you contemplate suicide, where you contemplate not wanting to exist. And the fact that you're here, that I'm here, and we're both addicts, and there are other addicts that are here right now. There's something about that that says we want to be here, even though it got clouded and lost. In the drug haze, you know, yes, there's a part where, you know, I was exploring and learning who I was, you know, as a, a young gay man moving to New York, you know, there's, there's issues with sex, there's issues with trying to fit in, there's issues with, you know, all those things that everyone goes through of trying to find your community and be accepted. And we do things, I think, in order to get that acceptance from, you know, those those rituals of bars and, and clubs and 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 uh, from gyms to sporting events to plays, anything, anything where you can find a community to fit in, and even when you're when you find those communities and you feel like you're not fitting in, my my disease says, okay, we want to feel okay because we're not feeling comfortable. Mm -hmm. Even if we have all these people around us, we're still not feeling comfortable. So what would I do? I would have a drink or a cocktail, maybe have some wine. And, to, and then maybe that wasn't doing it for me after a while. So I have to take it to another level. Ecstasy, pot, that wasn't doing it. I have to take it to another level. And I will say this crystal meth took me to a new depth <laughs> of lowness because I, I, I think it's truly... Lowness and highness in know, a sense. High and low, really. It's just, I, I mean... First of all, I say never pick it up. It's just horrible. I mean, I wouldn't want to trade places. I wouldn't want anyone to go through with this and, or trade places with me because it's just been completely horrible. Um, and I'm working on, on learning who I was before all this drug happened, before these drugs happened to my life. I'm, I'm learning to try to, again, even through the, the counseling at Rebo, is trying to figure out who I essentially am. And, and that sounds so esoteric, but that is truly what I'm trying to find out who I am at this stage in my life, rebuilding, getting recovery, and not having all the material things that helped define me at one point, but to say I'm okay today because I'm sober. I, it's a hard concept. But I, I, you, know. you know, one of the things, if it helps you in any way, when I got sober, it's I was so focused on my drug use of why this destroyed my life, and, and it was so valuable, but I really found out and, and if this doesn't work for you, it's totally fine. 
and maybe you're already going there, but it became so clear to me that, and I kind of mentioned this before, that I was, you know, quote, unquote, a drug addict before I even thought I was a drug addict. I've heard that about <laughs> us, us addicts. But, yeah. it, but and I don't like using the term drug addict before I was a drug addict. I, look, I almost call myself, I was literally lost emotionally before I, I, I mean, be, way before I even thought it. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, when, in the beginning, when I went into high school, I didn't know who I was. I mean, I literally started smoking weed just because I wanted to be part of that crowd. Right. You right. know, the crowd over there where the cute girls and the fun dudes are. How old were you in the first set of drink? Um, I was 17. 17. Yeah, 16 and a half, 17. By yourself, with friends? No, I had, um, I don't think, I think I smoked weed before I had a drink. Okay. And I, if I remember correctly, I remember buying a bag of weed uh, from one of my childhood friends and just said, you know, I'm going to, let's do this. I held on to that bag of weed for a few days mm-hmm. and somebody said, you're not going to be ready for it. So you should probably try smoking a cigarette, which I was so taboo to, but they wanted me to be prepared for this, you know, this hot air that would be, you know, as I you just stopped smoking too. Oh, okay. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So um, 18 days, no cigarettes. There you go. Yeah. Um, but I, that's when that started. And then I started smoking a little weed, but then right after that, I just started drinking just because that's what everybody else in the group that I wanted to be part of. I was, I basically sold myself out. I, I, it wasn't like, Oh my God, this feels so different. When I started smoking weed or drinking, I did have drugs that changed my life and I'll get to those. Um, if we have time, but I just wanted to be part of this crew. And then I started drinking and I started being the life of the party, you know, and that's what was kind of neat. And it, then it was almost like I started getting a reputation of being Ross does this and he has a great time and you'll see him running around in a grass hula skirt, mm-hmm. you know, through a party doing keg stands with right. may or may not have underwear on who knows how the day goes, <laughs> but you know, but then it was like when I found mushrooms, that's when it changed my life. When I found, you know, you know, psychedelics, that was the thing that went to another level where it's like, I think, well, wow, this, 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 this holds me in a way that I think more clearly but then when I found cocaine, my body balanced. I remember that. I was like, I feel like I'm actually in rhythm. My mind and my body are in rhythm for the first time in my entire life. Mm-hmm. And that's when it changed everything. I only started smoking crack later on because my nose got so clogged up that I was going to, I heard, and this is, mind you listeners, if you're listening, this is a little barbaric, but I remember hearing a guy when I went through one of my treatments that he stuck a corkscrew up his nose to unclog his nose. And I was going to go do the same thing because that sounded so logical in how to unclog my nose. I couldn't blow it anymore. And the guy across from me, about as far as you are, said to me, he goes, do not, please do not stick that corkscrew up your nose. Yeah. And you're and he thinking goes, about it. Yeah, I, I couldn't breathe. And I wanted to snort more lines. He goes, smoke this. This will be better. And then crack took me to another level of, it didn't give me what I needed, but it gave me like, I was, no, I never had a high like that. That was, that was unprecedented. Uh, you know, the thing like, so you said something earlier about, you know, wanting to be with that crowd. And the thing that I have to be like really candid about is when I smoked meth for the first time, 
I was automatically, or I was in a situation where I was involved with someone having sex, and the the endorphin rush mixed with the sex was the complete trigger and a feeling I've never felt before. Now mix in with being gay and a, a whole culture of people that you know had sex th during the AIDS period and, and fearful of that and try to you know still practice safe sex and then you know you lose your inhibitions on this drug and you lose a lot of fear on this drug and and anyone who has experienced this and this addiction to crystal meth specifically and is tied into sex you know there's this groove in your brain that just comes you know and it's associated with you know that 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 frame of thought like now sex and meth become a trigger it's, it becomes linked for me and and that's what I'm working to not associate the two. And I know it's about trying to fit in and losing those inhibitions and wanting that intimacy that I never felt I had. And now this drug provides it. And that's not, it, it sounds insane and maybe I'm not explaining it correctly, but I, I hope I am, but it, it, it. The drug gave, was, was a bridge between. Yeah, absolutely. It was a bridge between who you were and where you wanted to be to get, I mean, it brought the sex together for you. It brought that life together for you. It made everything okay. What, what? It made everything okay. It made it made everything okay. It made everything okay. And when everything wasn't okay. Well, because it blocked out everything. Yeah, and it made... And, and if you've ever had experience... If you've ever experienced rejection, this takes away the rejection. Because everyone's accepting on this drug in that community. If you're all doing the same drug, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what we can get off with this drug. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. It's when, my depth. when did you come out and, um, mm -hmm. and you know tell the world, your family, that you were openly gay? How old were you? I was, um, I've always known I was gay. Far as you can remember. I can recall looking up the word homosexual when I was five years old in a real book encyclopedia. Really? No one looks at it anymore because of do they even exist? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you remember World Book Encyclopedia? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, um, you know, I grew up in the South. It wasn't really in my family accepted. Um, I moved, I went to college, and then that's where I just started living my life. It wasn't really a coming out. I just lived who I was. I was just who I was. And I remember bringing a boyfriend home when I was 26 to meet my family. And they were okay with it. There was no big conversation. There was no big. Did you prep them before you came home that this oh, yeah. is my this oh, is my I, boyfriend? I prepped my mother. Mm -hmm. And you, um, and I can't explain it. I was I was terrified I was going to get met with a shotgun. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't. It was, it was all in my head. So they were um, very accepting of them. And um, hasn't been much conversation of that since. And you know, um, because I'm just not close with them in that way. And that's, that's something I'm working on getting closer with my family. Because they do have some very conservative values with concerning homosexuality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, I understand that. Yeah. And um, and that's the interesting thing when it you know when you're dealing with your addiction, you have to you kind of have to remove yourself from the liabilities that are going to affect you really painfully emotionally. You know, I I'm not ready to face up to a lot of uh, you know uh, I guess unresolved elements to my family until I can get a more stable ground in my sobriety and 33 days is not there for me. It's not, it's not the enough of a foundation for me to look into that yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, cause you've been, I mean, I've been using meth for 14 years. You've been using it for 14 years. Mm -hmm. You started dabbling with other things before that. Yeah. And so, I mean, you're looking at 20 years 
Oh, absolutely. You know, and also with the meth, I, which I've learned too, I've always I always had Xanax to come down from the meth, uh, take the re- edge off. Yeah, and I never realized until of late, even what that has done to me. Yeah, the constant benzos in my body and coming off of those—that's maybe bigger than the meth sometimes. There's a lot that <laughs> you lot just said. Me, <laughs> you know, I want to. Yeah, I, I want to. I want to stop here and go to a commercial real quick, um, and because I've got a couple things to you know to throw at you a little bit and see what okay. you think about them. Uh, we're talking to Larry um, here today. He's been sober for 33 days. Congratulations! Hey. <laughs> it's a huge deal, um, and he's been very open and very honest about um, his addiction to meth, and just uh, trying to find himself. And he's a treatment here at Rebos, um, doing very well. Um, I want to jump to a quick commercial right now, and we'll be right back with Larry. I'm Ross. Uh, This is The Power to Create Yourself, and we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Getting sober isn't just about not drinking and not doing drugs. It's a way of life. At Rebos, we have a team of talented professionals, each with their own clear and distinct message to walk clients from the darkest point in their lives out into the light. Rebos offers a carefully curated selection of groups and workshops in addition to a minimum of six individual sessions per week. At Rebos, we believe there are no cookie-cutter clients, and we meet every individual where they are at today. It's not a Rebos program. It's your program. Our team wants to help as many people as possible become who they want to be. And if you don't know who you want to be, we'll help you. Visit Rebostreatment.com to learn more about the Rebost Treatment Center. That's R-E-B-O-S Treatment.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. listening to The Power to Create Yourself with Ross Ramin. To find out more about Ross and the program, visit the Rebos Treatment Center website at rebostreatment.com. Now, back to The Power to Create Yourself. Hi, welcome back to the show. This is Ross Ramin. Um, you're, we're here today at the Rebos Treatment Center, uh, where we come to you uh, every single Tuesday. Uh, we're Sitting with Larry, who is a client here. He's been sober for 33 days. Uh, he has struggled with meth um, for over 14 years, 14 years about. Um, and he's been very open and very honest about what his life has been like. Um, he's lost everything at one point. Not everything. I think, I mean, obviously he stole himself, but he lost his job. He lost his house um, or his apartment. Uh, family, friends were like, I wouldn't say you lost them, but they definitely stood back a few steps. They had to. They had to. They, I mean, I mean, they had to until, the, I mean, they had to assess the situation. You know, friends are, especially lifelong friends, like the ones I have, are, are 
Well, I wouldn't be here without them. I mean, that's just really key to know. Um, and, and I'm sure, you know, if anyone going through addiction and, and seeing someone, I, you know, here's the funny thing is, even though I am an addict getting help and getting recovery, I have observed other addicts in my, in my time, you know, and I wasn't versed anyway in what to do or how to help them or what to say when I saw them. I was a little afraid to be honest with you, when I saw other addicts before I knew truly that I was one, because either it, it, it shined a light on me and my addictions, and it made me scared of what I would become because I saw where their lives were going. And then I imagine what that must feel like as a friend watching and observing as well. You know, um, now that I have, you know, I didn't really. I did not say I was an addict until last summer. I didn't. I didn't even say the say the word that I think I'm an addict. I, I, I didn't ever, just didn't say it. I remember walking around New York City, about to go to my drug dealer to get some meth, and in like a hundred degree weather. Hi, and I just recall saying to myself, "Wow, I am a true addict." That's when I knew it. I, I knew it, and only until last summer after being an doing this drug for 14 years and I really say it to myself like I'm an addict wow do you let me ask you a question uh, and then I want to get on to what what you're finding is working for you to get these 33 days okay that you have that is just so huge you have brought to my attention to our listeners attentions a lot of things that really make you you that you are confident you know you you're a gay man you know you're a powerful guy you've known since you've been five when you looked up in the world book encyclopedia what a homosexual was you know you you're very confident you you, you know that there is no questioning of that but so let's leave that on the side okay. okay let's take everything else do you think you've ever met yourself because I think back through everything that you just told me, and there's so many pieces, and I wish we had three hours to talk about this, and you know, obviously you and I can chat with this afterwards, but there are so many pieces to your life that sounds like you'd never met yourself, or you weren't really happy with yourself. And I'm wondering, in this last 33 days, are you actually discovering who Larry really is? You know, not that he's a good looking, I mean, if you guys could see him, you're a good looking guy, you. you know, <laughs> you're a good looking guy, but have you ever met yourself yet? Have you really well, just like, part of you that, don't even know what your full potential is. I don't think yet. I think you're interesting. You're saying that I'm thinking about as you, as you were saying it, um, I have seen throughout this glimpses of myself and my better side and my better being and, and, and I've seen glimpses. The thing about this addiction and being in, in your addiction is I and we, and I think a lot of us can relate, I forget. I for, I've forgotten who I was. Like those are those elements of me that have always been there. You know, I can I, I can confidently say I, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I'm have a pretty keen sense of humor. Um, I'm compassionate. I care about people. And those are always things that have been with me. I can tell you under my addiction, I wouldn't care about you or anybody else. I wouldn't care about myself. And the more I did that drug, the more I forgot to care about you or myself or anyone else. And that's scary. Because um, I don't want to be that. <clears throat> I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person. I, I don't want to be that person. Because that person 
will do whatever he has to do to get high and use whatever. It's a dangerous person. And manipulate. I, danger in the sense that I will be dishonest because I need something. And that's not who I am. That's no. the addiction saying we need this. We need to get our drug. We need to, you know, we need to. We need You're to going by the beat of, of, of a totally different drum beat. And so now, you know, in, in 33 days, and I'll just say this, you know, my one year of trying to get recovery has had glimpses of 122 days. It has a moment of 80 day, 80 day, another 108 days. It's like, and, and AA tells us to have continuous sobriety, you know, and that's what we honor. My progress is that I've been more sober this year than high, and that is progress for me. And I need to keep working on that. How I've gotten to 33 days sober today, first, let me just say it's by the grace of a higher power. I don't know how I'm doing it because Larry wants to get high. So I know there is a higher power keeping me sober because Larry likes to get high, and I want to get high no matter what the consequences are. Now that, you know, so let's start with that. The the grace of a higher power. And I do truly, some will, you know. We, it's, we your, always, it's yours. It's all, your journey. We, so you can have yeah, it whatever we, you want. We all have to get to where Everybody's going to get to their, right. their way they want exactly. it. Exactly. Right. Thank you. Thank you. It's This is your You're world, right, man. Right. So mine is the grace of a higher power. Sometimes I lose that and forget that. And I want to lose that and get it because I can't have my higher power. My higher power will not steer me to go get high. Larry, my self-will will do that. So sometimes I take my self-will bag and I will go get high. That has been the case during these relapses. Um, you know, this tennis of, of, of this, this treatment facility as well as the program of AA and all these things tells us keep coming back no matter what. And that's, that's another thing I've had to depend on because I could stay out there getting high for a very long time. I have to lose that, that ego to say, come right back let me come back let me just keep going because i figure i figure at some point this has to stop and i have to get it i can only speak of 33 days sober today meaning that i'm struggling i struggle i pray on it i'll go to meetings i'll call a sponsor i'll come to this facility i meet with therapists i talk i cry i'm honest about it i'll tell you the gritty gritty truth just so you can tell me what you're hearing, because maybe I'm not hearing it correctly. That's the right and, thing to and, do. And it's and it's what I have to do to stay sober. There is a thing about staying rigorously honest and not keeping any secrets. I used to keep secrets, and I found like keeping secrets is where my addiction lived, and it allowed me to go do more, allowed me to hide. If I kept a secret from you, like if you asked me right now, Larry, do you want to get high? And I said, no, oh, I don't feel like I want to get high like the last, oh my God, three, four weeks. <laughs> That's a lie. I've wanted to get you have high. to sell yourself out in the best way possible each and every day. Yeah. And then you and you have to shred your ego each and every day. And like, you know, you and I were talking this morning. It's like a person that's trying to lose 20 pounds, you know, or five pounds or whatever it is. Just because you want to lose weight. Because I don't want people to think that, oh, my gosh, this guy's 33 days sober and he still wants to, you know, smoke uh, meth. No, it's not. It's not like that. That's okay. Because it's like when people are trying to lose weight and they're going to the gym trying to eat healthy, that doesn't mean that cheeseburgers are all of right. a sudden going to taste bad or ice cream is going to be like like the stupidest thing on the planet you're always going to have it and the farther you get away from the old you you're going to in this for the next couple months you're going to have a lot of talk back mm. you are going to have a lot of talk back to me that's a great barometer of you're doing it right and every single day you're going to have to keep calling yourself out it and almost be 
too talkative about what's going on because that's really where you're going to have the success because it's every time you talk out loud, literally out loud, like we're talking now, Mm -hmm. you're, you're selling yourself out in a good way. You're not letting your, your inner, the bad Larry, you know, the meth Larry get away with it. No, I've come to understand it. And like I used to, and I, you know, learning, you know, how to stay in recovery and keep coming back and, and try and, and, and not try do sobriety every day is that when I had these thoughts about going to get high or these triggers or these urges, I would beat myself up over that. Like I was like, that's not what I should be feeling. I'm in recovery. I'm in a treat. I'm, re- I'm like getting help. Like I should not be feeling this. Talking about it, what I've come to understand is that I'm an addict. I'm going to feel this. If I don't talk about it, then I'm hiding it. You have to understand that if I'm saying I want to get high, that's me staying sober. <laughs> you know, if I'm telling you I want to get high, that's me staying sober. Yeah. That means I'm telling you honestly, I think I want to get high. So how are we not going to do that? Well, first I'm going to tell you about it, and then we're going to walk through it, and then eventually come to the consequences. Now, everyone has consequences, no matter what action. That This is for anything in life. So if I say if I want to get high, that I will no longer be in this program, maybe on the street, no, nowhere to live, no, no food. That's a consequence. Am I willing to accept that? Yeah. Some people are. I'm not. So sometimes you have to find whatever that consequence is just to keep you sober for today. Yeah. You know, and that's all we have is today. What What do you think is the best thing you could tell somebody that's, you know, that's sitting in your shoes right now? How do they get? How, how do they get thirty three days? How do they do it? You know what? Um, I think the best way to hopefully get to 30 days is just to stay in the one day. It's just to get through the one day. But what do you do in that one day? Because anybody, see, there's a difference. There's there's a reason why you're here with us today. You just don't have 33 days of just sober time. Because to me, as I said, when I did my talk on Friday, I do a big talk here on Friday at Rebos in front of all the clients, uh, a lot of Fridays, not every Friday. But I tell them that physical sobriety is one aspect of being sober. But then there's the emotional sobriety. The reason why you're here today because when I went and talked to your counselors, is you're showing emotional sobriety. You're, I mean, that's what you're doing. Because anybody can be a couple days. I mean, people go to jail for decades, right. and then they come back out and start using again, like just like that. What do you, what do you doing besides just one day? What 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 what's the next level thing you're doing to make sure that one day is that's one hell of a day, <laughs> you know, right. in the positive side. Right. Listen, it's the, the, the truth of, of this for me is that some days are excruciating. Some days of staying sober for me are just so painful. I don't know how. I, I, I'd rather say, the hell with it. I, I just want to get high. And that is the, another truth. Some days I'll just cry about it. Some days I'll just lay down. Some days I'll talk your ear off about it. Mm-hmm. I'll try to be active, as in go to a meeting, call a sponsor, call people, and say I want to get high. I don't know. I don't know. You know all this confusion and, and and energy that goes with that confusion and that urge wanting to get high. It is a is a, is a combination of things in order to stay high. Sorry, excuse me. In order to stay sober every day, like prayer, 
rest, exercise, talking. I mean, there's no right way. It's just what I, I've, I've tried everything and I'm trying everything as we speak. I actually came up to on this program today just to try another way to stay sober, like just, yeah. just to discuss this. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man who's seeking and searching. I'm following suggestions for sure. Like, you know, the council counselors here and therapists give me a lot of suggestions and I take it because I trust them. Because I haven't had success without those suggestions of, on my own, so I have to take someone's advice. Yeah, you know, um, that's the biggest thing is get out of my own way. <laughs> I, I have to get on my way because there are people with more time and sobriety than I have, and I have to trust that you know how to get there because I haven't gotten there yet. So if I can say, if you told me, Larry, do this suggestion, this what helped me. I'll say, I'll try that, because that kept you sober. Let me give that a shot. Yeah, That's all I have. Because as soon as I try my own way, it's 50-50. No, Larry, you're, <laughs> I got to tell you, you, um, first of all, I can't thank you enough for being on our show. Um, and you are such a gentleman. You're such a kind soul. You really are. I've gotten to know you, you over this last hour. And really just, you're a kind, kind soul. You're working your tail off. This isn't easy. No, <laughs> this is not easy, but, but nothing in this world that's worth getting is easy. This is one of the cheesiest lines on the planet, but it is, is but it's a, it's the truth. It, and you're really turning yourself inside out and trying to find out why you do what you do and who you want to be. Um, and that's what you've ex- kind of, you've told us here. You've been very open and very honest with us. And I really, really appreciate Thank it. You. This Thank is, you. you know, folks, this is more than just, you know, as I said to Larry, just being physically sober. Anybody can be physically sober. That's a piece of cake. But once you get out of that detox stage, it all comes down to the emotional side of it. You know, there's a physical act of actually not doing the drug, but keeping your mind, your emotional mind moving straight of knowing what's right and what's wrong. Everything in this world is emotional. And it sounds like your your spiritual connection and your emotional connection are coming together. And you're walking the walk, man. You really are. I'm, and I, I'm, Yeah, I was going to say trying, but you're right. I am. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm you're, doing I'm actually you're doing, doing it. it. Yeah, I'm doing it. You're doing it. Yeah. You might as well. I mean, it is what it is. You're doing it. You're going to be doing the same thing today that you're doing 33 years from now. Yeah. And, and anyone, it's just going to be easier. And sobriety, anyone who is sober the next hour is not trying. They are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Well, I can't thank everybody enough for joining us this week. Um, my name is Ross uh, Ramin, and we're coming to you from the Rebos Treatment Center in Los Angeles, California. And I'd like to thank our um, our guest, Larry, again, for joining us today, for sharing um, his heart, his mind, his passion for himself. And uh, we look forward to um, having you guys join us next week. Thanks so much. Have a great week, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week on The Power to Create Yourself. We hope to have you tune in again next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition with Ross Ramin on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have an enlightening week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.